You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk. Okay. Morning, everybody. Um, we're going to read God's Word. Slightly different today. We're going to read from several proverbs, which are going to come up on the screen. So it's probably easier to follow them there. But if you want to follow them in, the, in your Bible, they start at Proverbs 14, which is on page 648 of the Red Bibles. And these are all proverbs about anger. I think the writer of Proverbs wouldn't be angry if he had to do the actions for Father Abraham. I'd cheer him up. But uh, we'll start with Proverbs 14, verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body. But envy and anger rots the bones. In Proverbs 29, verse 22, an angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot tempered person commits many sins. In Proverbs 15, verse 18, a wrathful man stirs up discord, but one slow to anger calms strife. In Proverbs 22, verse 24, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Proverbs 14:29. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Proverbs 14:17. A quick-tempered person does foolish things, and the one who devises evil schemes is hated. Proverbs 16:32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. Proverbs 19, verse 11. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. And finally, Proverbs 25, verse 20, uh, chapter 25, 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. So the the Proverbs will come up on the screen uh, at the right time, hopefully. But if you do want to just have your Bible open, then uh, actually James chapter 3 is another passage that we'll look at today. I wonder who or what makes you angry? Who or what makes you angry? Maybe you get angry over small things like the suds not being rinsed off the glasses. Or maybe shoes not being put back on the shoe rack. Or maybe your children coming down the stairs when you've put them to bed. Maybe someone makes you angry. That person who's always late. They always talk about themselves. They never offer to pay. They never say thank you. Maybe you get angry in your car. People cutting you off. People not putting their hand up to thank you when you've let them go. People driving too slowly, who you call idiots. People driving too fastly, who you call maniacs. Maybe you get angry at big things, like the rain ruining England's chances of winning the Ashes. Or an injustice that you've experienced or someone else. Maybe you get angry when you hear people blaspheming. 
or when someone you love makes bad lifestyle choices. Maybe you make yourself angry. You just can't believe that you did that thing again. You had that chance to impress someone and you blew it. You're so angry because so-and-so's comments have got you again. And you swore after last time you just ignore them and not react. Or maybe church makes you angry. The music is too new or it's too old. The coffee is too strong or it's too weak. The biscuits are too many or they're not enough. The preaching is too long and boring. The children are too loud. The building's too hot. You were nice and chill before you came to church. And you go away in the car, turning into the Hulk. Or maybe you belong to the five percenter. The five percent group who claim that they never get angry. These are people in denial, like the alcoholic who swears they don't have a drink problem. Is the angry person who denies they don't have anger problems. So what is anger? Well, the biblical counselor, David Paulinson, defines anger as something you are against. So anger is something you are against. It's an active stance to oppose something you assess as wrong. So it's an active stance you take to oppose something you assess as wrong. So it fits with some of the examples we started with. I'm against children coming down the stairs when I put them to bed. I take a stance because it's wrong. I'm against people cutting me up in the roads. It's dangerous. And I'm taking a stand by shouting at them. I'm against people overlooking my ideas. I assess them as being wrong, so I get angry at them. I'm against church because they just do what they want. It's wrong not to consider what I want, so I take a stand and express my anger in a strong-worded yet gracious email. Now, the, the more something matters to you, the more anger you will feel. From a momentary complaint to a vocal argument to brooding resentment to finally a murderous frenzy. Anger is everywhere and it's something that everyone struggles with. Everyone is angry, but not everyone knows it. What we're going to do this morning, we're going to look at what we can learn about anger from the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs comes as a result of a dream King Solomon had in 1 Kings chapter 3. You can check it out later. In that dream, God asks Solomon what he wants. Solomon says he doesn't want military power. He doesn't want riches. What Solomon wants is wisdom so he can rule God's people well. And God is delighted to give Solomon that wisdom. We're told in the next chapter, 1 Kings 4, that Solomon wrote over 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs. And what we find in the book of Proverbs are lots of Solomon's proverbs, although other people like a guy called Agur and Lamel also give some of their proverbs too. The book of Proverbs stands in the wisdom literature of the Bible, so you've got Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, and Job. They're the other books that make up the, the wisdom literature. Now, wisdom in the Bible is not merely head knowledge. Wisdom is living well as God's people in God's good world. To live well is to have the fear of the Lord. 
That doesn't mean that you hide behind your sofa when you hear some thunder. Or maybe that's just me. No, fear the Lord means that you have a reverence and an awe for the Lord. That means that you humbly acknowledge that God gets to say what is right and what is wrong. And by God's grace, we try and live that way. Proverbs are also about probability. So it'll say things like, if you fear the Lord, life will likely go like this. But if you don't do that, then you will act foolishly. However, they're not guarantees. That's why we have books like Job and Ecclesiastes, which show there's exceptions to these proverbs. Proverbs focus more on the general rule. The author Ed Welch, I think his um, comment will come on the screen. Ed Welch says this about proverbs. Proverbs doesn't simply say, stop doing this and start doing that. It woos, persuades, paints vivid pictures, rehearses consequences, connects teaching to real life, surrounds everything with the fear of the Lord, and delivers it all in the context of familiar love. That's because a lot of the Proverbs are a father speaking to his son about what it is to be living in a wise way. Now, with all that being said, let's turn and focus the rest of the sermon on what Proverbs teaches us about anger. How are we, as God's people, to live well in God's good world when we are all angry people? Anger is everywhere, and sometimes you have to look really closely to see it. So this morning, we've got four things. Anger is one letter short from danger. Anger is not always a clangor. Anger is from a bad exchanger, and anger is healed at the manger. Let's go to point one. Anger is one letter short of danger. Now, when I'm talking about anger, I'm not just talking about the obvious kind of shouting outbursts or violence, because anger has many faces. They include irritability, (laughs) grouchiness, grumpiness, Arguing, bitterness, grumbling and complaining, desires for revenge, jealousy, fantasies about someone's misery, cynicism. That is a self-righteousness that looks down on others. It was really interesting as I went through that list, the amount of people who elbowed someone else. Oh, did you? Did you? Told you. Told you. We're all angry people. We all need God's wisdom to help live well as God's people in God's good world. The book of Proverbs tells us that anger is dangerous. Firstly, anger is dangerous for our health, as you'll see on the screen. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart of peace gives life to the body, but envy, that's what it says in the NIV, but in the, if you go to the Hebrew, it's anger rots the body. And medically, we know this to be true, don't we? Anger outbursts or repressed anger can cause heart disease, can increase your chance of having a stroke, weaken your immune system, make anxiety worse, be linked to depression, can hurt your lungs and ultimately shorten your life. From experience, I know it was trying to push anger down that was one of the reasons for my own depression. Instead of talking constructively about the anger I felt, I bottled it up and it affected my health severely. 
So I wonder this morning, could anger be affecting your health? Well, what else does it say in Proverbs? It tells us that anger is dangerous for our relationships. Proverbs 29, 22 says, An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. A wrathful man, Proverbs 15, 18, stirs up discord, but one slow to anger claims strife. And Proverbs 22, 24, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. But let's just take one of those phrases. It was in Proverbs 29. An angry person stirs up conflict. Never is this more true than in church. You see, churches can be playgrounds for angry people. We have verses in the Bible that say, speak the truth in love. An angry person takes that as an invitation to vent all their anger on the people around them. What they fail to remember is speak the truth in love, not anger. Furthermore, angry people say that the people at church need to accept that that's the way God has made me. People at church should show me grace and forgiveness and patience whilst exhibiting none of those qualities themselves. And the angry person is an expert in grumbling and complaining. But it's always done with the best intentions. Relationships in churches can be ruined by the actions of angry people who stare up conflict. This morning, are your relationships affected by anger? So anger is dangerous for our health. It's dangerous for our relationships. And then finally, anger is dangerous for our joy. Proverbs 14, 29 says this. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Proverbs 14, 17 says, A quick-tempered person does foolish things, and the one who devises evil schemes is hated. Now, often, once we've cooled off from shouting at our kids, or we've made that snide comment about that person because we're still angry with them, we feel foolish. Why do we feel foolish? Because we've been foolish. The two link together. Now, being foolish will destroy our ability to make wise decisions. Our anger clouds our thinking. And feeling foolish often brings shame, regret, and guilt. We often beat ourselves up for the way that our anger has led to foolish actions. When we do that, we miss out on the joy that God has for us. We miss out on the joy that comes from living well as God's people in God's good world. So I wonder this morning, is anger affecting your joy? Remember, anger is one letter short of danger. Let's move on to point number two, because not all anger is bad. Two, anger is not always a clangor. Now, you're probably aware at this point that I'm working really hard to show you anger is everywhere, even in the points that I'm trying to make. However, we need to be clear that anger is not always a clangor, or to put it another way, anger is not always a mistake. The Bible would say, yes, anger can be dangerous, 
But also anger can be good. You see, it's too simplistic just to to dismiss all anger as bad. Anger can be both just and corrupt at the same time. Take our friends, the just oil protesters. You could argue their anger, what they're standing against, is good and right. The use of fossil fuels is damaging to the environment. You could also argue that their anger expressed in the disruption of sporting events is corrupt. After all, what's a snooker table ever got to do with them? Except if one falls on your head out of a tree. How can anger ever be good? How can anger ever be good? Well, we see these in two Proverbs. Proverbs 16.32 says this. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. Proverbs 19. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. So what does the book of Proverbs say is good anger? Well, it's not no anger, and it's not blow anger, i.e. you blow up. Now, the book of Proverbs says good anger is slow to anger. You see, the person who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. The person who is slow to anger can overlook transgressions. And as we heard in Proverbs 15, 18, the person who is slow to anger can calm strife as well. And why is it good to be slow to anger? Because that's how God describes himself. In Exodus 34, verse 6, God describes himself to Moses like this. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You see, God's anger is always just and right. Like we would get angry if we saw a child in a playground being treated badly. So God gets angry when he sees how badly we treat one another. God's anger is slow because he wants to give people time to change. God gives people grace and love and compassion. God's anger is slow because he wants people to repent and seek forgiveness in Jesus. But if a person doesn't repent and doesn't trust in Jesus then they will face God's anger when they meet him. And again, this anger is good and just because God cannot ignore the evil we do. And to reject his son Jesus would be an example of evil. God must punish evil. He either punishes it in a place called hell or Jesus takes the punishment for us on the cross. You see, for us to be slow to anger, it means that we have to ask ourselves a difficult question. And it's the question that God asked Jonah. Remember in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah's mad with God, isn't he? Because God has shown mercy to the Ninevites. And God asked Jonah this question. Do you have any right to be angry? You see, an angry person always feels they have the right to be angry. They always feel that their anger is just and good. It's everyone else's fault. If you were to just rinse the suds off the glasses, like I've shown you a thousand times, I wouldn't be angry. It's your fault you started it. 
No, a person who is slow to anger will often answer the question, do you have a right to be angry? By saying no. The thing that we are standing against often comes because of corrupt desires within us, which we'll look at a bit more in point three. You see, when we look at Jesus, Jesus does get angry in the Gospels. Often it's towards the Pharisees who have twisted his words for their own desires, often at the expense of the poor and marginalized. You see, Jesus could be angry all the time because of the way people are treating him. But Jesus is slow to anger. He's quick to forgive. Jesus knows how weak and stubborn our hearts are, and he gives us grace. You see, Jesus was slow to anger, showing grace and love to people. Can we say the same about ourselves? Are we slow to anger? Now, it could be that we're not slow to anger, and that would take us on to our third point. Anger is from a bad exchanger. I know the, the uh, you might struggle with it, but it, it gets there, I, I, I hope so anyway. Now, we did say our anger can be good and just. We've just said this. We can get angry at the lifestyle choices that damage people we love. We can get angry at government policies, policies that suppress the poor. We can get angry when a church leader uses their position to do horrible things. That anger is good and just anger. But most of our anger, however, comes from a sinful and corrupt heart. The book of James, which we studied last year, is the New Testament equivalent to the book of Proverbs. In James chapter 3, and it should come up on the screen, we read this in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. That verse in itself is a summary of the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is living well as God's people in God's good world. Wisdom comes as we acknowledge in humility that God defines what right and wrong is and we try by God's grace to live that way. However, verse 14 tells us, if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So here's the thing that we need to consider. Instead of living God's way, we exchange our own selfish ambitions for what God wants us to do. When we live by this earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom, it leads to disorder and every evil practice, which is often shown in the moments that we get angry. You see, when we take a stand against something, assessing it to be wrong, our motives for that wrong often come from our own selfish ambitions. Let me give you an example. The kids coming down the stairs once I've put them to bed, that is interrupting my me time. I want comfort. I want a bit of peace. My anger on them coming down the stairs is rooted in my own selfish ambition. 
The driver who cuts me off showing a blatant disrespect for me and the rules of the road. I'll aggressively beat my horn and maybe curse them under my breath. Because at the root of my anger is my own selfish ambition to be treated like the most important person on the planet. The church leaders who don't do what I suggest, they preach for too long, they don't sing enough, they offer rubbish coffee, they fill us with too many cakes. I will grumble and complain because in my selfish ambition, I am always right and they are always wrong. You see, when we exchange our own selfish ambition for God's wisdom, it leads to disorder and every evil practice which is often shown in our moments of anger. So what's the solution? How can we live as slow to anger people and avoid the dangers that anger brings? Well, that's our fourth and final point. For anger is healed at the manger. And we're going to finish with the triple A's. Admit, analyse and adore. Firstly, admit. Now, hopefully, as we've looked at some of these proverbs and talked about anger, you've recognised some of your own struggles with anger. You've also, hopefully, by the Spirit's conviction, come to see how most of our anger has come from our own selfish ambition. The first step to becoming slow to anger people is to admit that anger is a problem. We heard that in James chapter 3. It said, do not deny it. So I wonder if you this morning would be willing to admit that anger is a problem. Second step is to analyse that anger. Now this is where the tricky work comes in. It may mean that you have to talk to a spouse, a close friend, someone from your growth group, or maybe get a bit of biblical counselling. This is the bit where we have to dig deep and analyse why certain things or certain people make us angry. For example, I get angry when I feel I'm being disrespected. And one of the reasons comes from something that happened when I was in year 11, so about 15 years ago. At school, I was a bit of a joker. I was a bit of a sporty type. I knew the hard lads, you know, the tough guys, the fighters, but I wasn't one of them. I was kind of on the fringe of the gang. I'd make jokes and I'd run off. Anyway, to my surprise and due to some uh, dodgy voting, in year 11, I was made head boy. And one of the really hard boys wanted to crown me, which sounds lovely, doesn't it? However, it wasn't, because his idea of crowning me was to put a condom on my head. Now, obviously, that's not very nice. And as he and a few others grabbed me and tried to crown me, it wasn't the best experience. Thankfully, though, my head is so huge that the condom split as they tried to stretch it over my head. Now, needless to say, the whole incident has left a few scars. Scars that, if not healed results in me getting angry when I feel disrespected. Now, I imagine there's past experiences in your life that are some of the reasons you get angry today. Maybe you had a bad breakup with someone, and therefore you get angry at maybe someone rejecting you. Maybe there was an incident where someone in authority treated you unjustly, so you get angry when you perceive others in authority might not be treating you right. 
You might have had a stubborn parent who always insisted on having a last word, and that's something that you insist on too. It could be that a person reminds you from someone from years past who upset you, and that's why you get angry at them. It pays to do a bit of work and analyse why we're angry at certain things. So what do we do once we've admitted our anger, once we've analysed our anger? That takes us to our third point, adore. You see, our anger is healed at the manger. What do I mean by this? Well, I went to see the latest Mission Impossible film this week with Tom Cruise. It was very good. I'd recommend it to you all. Now, there's a new character who joins Tom Cruise's team. And whilst they're talking about the danger of a mission... Tom says to the new character, I will always put your life ahead of my own. And we would say, wow, that's so noble and heroic of Tom. Until the new character makes a really obvious and excellent point. She says, why would you do that? You don't even know me. You see, Tom Cruise, or his character Ethan Hunt, is saying something nice, but it doesn't mean anything because he doesn't know the person. It's just a superficial comment. Jesus Christ, on the other hand, he knows everything about us, including all our anger problems, all the selfish ambition that fuels our anger. Jesus knows the very worst about us, and yet he would come to this earth as a baby. Jesus was willing to give up the glory of heaven and come to this earth and be born as a vulnerable and weak baby Jesus who had every right to be angry with us and yet is slow to anger he is so slow to anger that he would go to the cross and he would face God's anger at our sins you see when we look at the manger when we look at the cross when we adore Jesus our hearts are changed to be like his that anger that we admit And we analyse, we take to Jesus. Jesus is able to change our angry hearts so we too can become people who are slow to anger. When our hearts are adoring Jesus, we will more often than not answer his question, do you have a right to be angry? With a no. And as we adore the one in the manger and the one on the cross, Our anger is wonderfully undone. And we start to become the people that Proverbs and James tells us to be. Finishing with James chapter 3 verse 17 to 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace loving. Considerate. Submissive. Full of mercy and good fruit. Impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Friends, anger is healed at the manger as we become people who are slow to anger. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, in preparation this week, it's been really tough to think about my own anger and how much of it is from selfish ambition. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that by your spirit you would show them how a lot of their anger comes from selfish ambition and would take it to Jesus, asking for help and healing. 
Father, I pray if there's things that have come up today which are difficult, that people would seek others out to help pray for them, to analyse that anger, to take it to the manger. Father, we don't want to stay as we are. We want to be changed. We want to be people who are slow to anger. We want to live well as your people in your good world. Help us to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.